Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. It's Tuesday, it's Owner's Stories Day, and this is number 59 of the Owner's Story series. Uh, very shortly, I'm going to be joined by Matthew. Matthew is going to join me through Zoom, like all these uh, Owner's Stories are done through. Uh, Matthew's coming in from the UK, he's coming in from Essex, and Matthew has a has a good story. He's owned a few Porsches. Uh, he's got uh, one of my favorites at the moment, which you would have seen in the title. So it's going to be good to have a chat. Uh, it works out well for me today because uh, I'm actually in London. This is recorded a couple of weeks in advance, so I'm still in London at the moment. And uh, we're on the same time zone, so it works out very well. So it's, uh, it's a very cloudy afternoon here on, in London when we're recording this. So anyway, that's about it. Uh, as I always say, if you want to be on these owner stories... Um, I have a bit of a list of people, actually. I have quite a, still quite a few people to get through. But please do still contact me. Reach out to me on Instagram at Porsche Cooled. Give us a follow while you're there. Or at Michael Bath, uh, michael.bath on Instagram. Or at P997.1, uh, just numerals, on Instagram. Um, Porsche Cooled is probably the best, though. So just reach out to me there and just let me know that you're interested. I'll put you down on my list. Uh, and eventually I will get back to you. Um, it does take some time at the moment because, like I said, I haven't been recording as many as I used to just to, just due to life and just due to things going on. But um, I will get to you eventually and we will get your story on the podcast so other owners can hear uh, about your Porsche journey and about you know your, your car journey. Anyway, let me just get Matthew on the line. Let me get Matthew connected through Zoom and let's start talking to Matthew about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Like I said, this is number 59, number 59 of the Owner Stories series. And today, like I was just saying to Matthew uh, off recording, it's really good to do an Owner Stories with someone in the UK. So we're in the same time zone. I don't have to stay up late at night. <laughs> I don't have to get up early in the morning. Um, Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Owner Stories. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Michael. Much appreciate I'm glad you can come on. We've been uh, chatting through Instagram. You've been you know, I always I follow your Instagram, follow your posts, um, and I just said to you before, you know, you, uh, it's really good uh, the support that the podcast gets and the support that you know other listeners are giving me, and especially you as well. And when you posted that uh, the picture of you listening to one of my episodes driving somewhere, I think it was was uh, it was pretty cool. It made me laugh when I saw it when I saw it come up. So that was uh, that was good. Thank you for that. So. We always like, let's just get straight into it because you've had a few Porsches um, and everyone will know what you own now, your current one, which is one of my favorites for obvious reasons. Um, so let's start, let's start at the very beginning, Matthew, um, and let's start where it all began for you. Um, and you know, for me, it started later in life. I didn't get a Porsche till you know, I was a bit older. Um, some people start early, but the passion is always there for a lot of people and it starts when they're a kid due to, you know, neighbor owning a Porsche or a friend or an uncle or father in some instances. Um, how did it all start for you? When did you start first noticing um, um, Porsche? Um, well, well, first of all, Michael, thanks for having me on. It's brilliant to be on. I really appreciate the work you and Steve do. Um, so I, I sort of got into Porsche. Uh, well, I didn't really notice the brand until I was maybe in my late teens but I've always sort of been into cars from an earlier in age. So my brother was into modern cars. So he used to have uh, loads of Fords. Um, he was in he had like Fiat Uno turbos. So he was in that Sierra Cosworth type era. So the Max Power magazines, fast forward and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and, and with Porsches, it was, so when I was sort of doing a GCSE art project, so when I was like 16, it sort of, you had to, 
choose things from, I think it was fashionable. I'm going to say, I'm sure it was like fashionable items that you enjoyed. So, and it just so happened, I was going flicking through a magazine and I saw it was a 996 Turbo, no, 996 Turbo, I think it was, that I saw. And I was like, and that was the first time I'd ever really looked at the brand and really thought, oh, well, that's absolutely stunning. So then sort of forgot about it. It didn't really come to my attention again. Um, passed my driving test when I was sort of 18. And then my brother went on one of those driving days. So he got to drive a Ferrari, a Subaru, Impreza, and all these other cars. And so I took him along and I was in my little Ford KAs, my first car, uh, one litre, literally you could run faster than it on to 60 <laughs> type thing. And, um, very popular though, very popular cars. Yeah, it's like you've done a job, got me to made to be its first car. So I think the insurance on that, remember, it was more than the car was worth. It was, it was outstanding. But really? um, so, yeah, it was really, really astronomical. So then I took my brother's this, this driving day. So I was just hanging around, just waiting. And then there was a guy there who was part of the team. He said, Anyone, any spectators want to pay some money, you can drive this. This It was a Porsche, it was a C2, it was a 996 C2. Okay. So I was like, oh, 25, I think it was like 25 pounds. I was like, okay, drive it up and down. I got in it, drove it for maximum three minutes. It felt like forever, three minutes, and that was <laughs> it. I was like, well, I have to have one of these. It was unbelievable. And the guy was telling me, put your foot down, put your foot down. But I was scared. It was just this thing, just the, the sheer power. When you're going from a Ford KA to a 996, it was, only, it was again, it was a three, I think it was a 3.4. So in terms of relative to today's power, it's not much. But then but it's just even like still, a rocket ship. Yeah, even still from the, the, I call them cars, but the KA, as you call it, like from that to the Porsche must have been crazy. So it was a 996 Carrera. Um, yeah. So how old were you then when you first had that drive? Um, I think that was about 19. 19. Then. So you're at yeah, I was about nineteen. So you're at nineteen. You're working or you're studying? Yeah, I was working. So I was working. Um, I was working in cities. First job, so first sort of getting your money and looking actually buying yourself stuff. Um, and then that so that day. <laughs> so when I took my brother, what I forgot to add to that. So that drive home in the KA was the worst drive I'd ever had in a car. <laughs> I was going to say, you made it, it, so you made it worse for yourself, didn't you? You know, you've got the oh. KA, you get into the Carrera, and then it's like, you know, you're working, and, and obviously for a lot of us at 19, you know, we don't have the funds to buy a 911. I, I surely it, didn't. And then no, it's I like... I definitely did it. <laughs> I know, and it's like, man, what am I going to do now? It's like you get to yeah. that situation. So what happened after that day then? So, you, you, you know, you drive the Porsche for the first time. You drive a 911, a 996, which we'll get into it, which is a car that you will eventually own. Um, yeah. So you get into the 996. How do, you, how do you kill that bug for the time being until you can get into your first Porsche? Is there another car after the KA that you, that you, that you buy that will give you a little bit more power, that will give you a little bit more experience and enjoyment? Yeah, so, so, after, so after, after that, I literally within three or four months, I was looking for, I was looking at Boxsters and stuff like that. Cause I was thinking I want to get into a Porsche, but I can't afford to get into a Porsche. Yep. So I was looking at Boxsters and they were still quite, quite expensive. Cause this is like early 2000s. So yep. still really expensive um, for my budget anyway. So then I came across uh, the MGF. I don't know if you remember the little two seater roadster yes. uh, convertible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and that at the time for looks was the closest I could get to a Boxster 
Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get one of these because I, I liked them. They were affordable and they had a bit more power. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to get one, see how, I, see how I like it. I can't afford that right now. But I had that itch that I needed to get out of the KA and get into something else. So I had one of those, bought one of those, had that for two or three years. Then I Was that a big that. jump up, Matthew? Was Sorry to interrupt. Was that a big jump yeah. up from the KA? Like, I, I don't know what the price of MGFs were um, in that, that period. Um, was that a big back, jump? Uh, no, not really. Back then, they were around 5K. A Ford, Ford, Ford KA at the time, Ford car at the time, well, they were around maybe 3K right, pounds. 3,000 pounds. Yeah. And then, yeah, 3,000 pounds. And then uh, the MG was around 5,000. From memory, what I paid for it, about five five and a half thousand. So it wasn't a massive jump. Um, but boxes at the time, you were there were about 15 minimum, bottom end 15K for a, a second-hand one with higher mileage. So yeah, it's a huge jump. And you're talking early 2000s, right? So they're not early, super. Yeah. yeah, they're not super old, are they? The boxes either they're still no. reasonably new, and there's probably not a lot of used ones on the market as yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So how was the exactly. MGF then? Did that did that did that uh, give you the did that give you the motivation to get something even better after that? How was it? How was the driving experience of the MGF? I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was the first convertible. Well, it's only my second car, so the, it was the convertible which I sort of enjoyed. It was, it was, it was fun to drive. Um, it had a few problems. They were, they were known for their head gaskets going. So I had issues with it and ended up costing me a little right. bit to repair and stuff like that. And then it, you sort of see it's what I'd learned afterwards, which is always great hindsight. It's a wonderful thing. You learn that it's a false economy type trying to sort of fill that gap with something like that. It's different if you're talking I don't know, two cars of the same brand, but the quality difference from an MGF to a Porsche is totally, like, totally different league. So, mm. But I guess you do what a lot of people do, right? I mean, we always look for something that's almost like what we want. You know what I mean? Like you said you bought yeah. it because it was like a Boxster. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And there's lots of cars that people buy that, are, you know, they're thinking they're going to get the Boxster or they're going to get the 911. And it doesn't really make it, right? So you eventually go back to the brand. You'll eventually be drawn back in and you'll eventually, you know, get what you really want. <clears throat> I wonder if in the long term, though, do you think, I mean, obviously you need a car though, right? But in the long term, would it, yeah. been, would it have been more worthwhile just to save the extra cash and wait to get the Boxster? Or you think that it was still worthwhile having that MG, uh, the MG experience? Um, uh, no, I think it was worth it purely for the, the power perspective um, and understanding how sort of a mid-engined car works because <laughs> showing my useless driving skills. So when I, <laughs> for example, I was one even I was driving, I was literally driving at 30 mile an hour, going around a slow bend. Right. And the rear of the car started to drift and I didn't know how to, in the K, that's never going to happen. It's front wheel drive. Yeah. Um, but with this mid-engine car, you, you just, I learned, oh, you can't zip around corners just like that. You can't, do certain things and, and if you go from something like a ka directly to the if i went from the ka to the box stuff uh, i think i would have had a lot more problems yeah that. yeah uh, so it's a progression isn't it type thing so yeah yeah it's a progression it is a progression sorry about that i just dropped something um it is a progression um and i, I think it was a worthy it, it was a good thing it was a good thing to do hindsight it was a it cost me a little bit of money but for actual driver purposes is actually a good thing to do 
All right. So the so after that, what what comes next? Is there another car before you get into the Porsches, or is there is there another memorable car that you get into after the MGF? Yes, uh, well, not memorable. It's just I, I bought a a, box, a comp, BMW compact. It's just like a small, the small, the squash version of the three series, effectively. Um, and, and that was literally just. Do you know the one? I can't remember it actually. Was it? Yeah, BMW three compact. Series? It, three series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a three series compact. So it, it, it was just a, a hatchback. Right. version of the three series rather than the, the coupe and again that was just a sort of stopgap car until i could get what well, i always knew where i wanted to go um yes it was just sort of saving and trying to get there but at the mg sort of packed up on me a little bit so i needed a car at the time uh, to get around so that was something i had to just buy just to see me through type thing all right so uh MGF, then you go into the, the BMW Compact. So let's let's start let's start. Is there anything else that you want to mention to the listeners before we get into the into the Porsche journey? Uh, no, not really. It was literally once I knew I wanted it, that's where I wanted to go. It was just a case of how I was going to try and get there. Um, I wasn't super low, uh, wealthy or anything like that. It was I was working working my way up the chain, doing my sort of job, trying to save as much money and best than what I could do to sort of get to this point so no, that was it then I just always had my eye on getting into the brand at some point so what did you start looking for Matthew so you you know you said you know like all of us money's always a deciding factor you probably just got your money back on those other cars right you would did you actually make money on them or you just sort of got your money back on the when you sold the BMW or whatever you sold to get into the Boxster no I lost well, I lost quite quite a bit on those probably about 30 percent 40 percent on those um but i had them for a period of time so the said so the mg i had for i think it was two years or three years and then the bmw i had for like two years okay um so uh, and I, I think with cars as well i think we get sort of not we get kind of hooked up on how much money you lose on cars but cars have a value cars have an expense value and that's how i've sort of tried to look at it yeah so i know you end up losing money but a car is a and a depreciating asset is never going to make you unless you're into classics and stuff like that which is a yeah. totally different story so when i sort of bought those cars i was never with the intention to try and sort of get anything back and i think i had to rationalize it like that because otherwise you would never buy anything that you actually <laughs> true true enjoyed so or liked so that's how i sort of looked at it so yeah i lost money on those cars but you know all on. right so so a few years have passed um yeah we're in the you can let the listeners know what year but a few years have passed and you start looking for a porsche do you start looking is the 911 out straight away do you start looking for 911s or you go straight and start looking for for the boxster well i started looking at 911s and then what, only because one sort of came into my budget as such or i say budget i was stretching it i'm trying to kid myself i was i was Desperately wanted a 911, so I was like, oh, no, I can't. I'm sure if I tweak this and tweak that, I can. And I was yeah. like, but when it comes to it, if anything goes wrong, then you, it's a whole new ball game. There's one thing buying the car, but you have to be able to look after it, service it, maintain it. So um, I, I was looking at it, but then I then I, the Boxster, I, I love the Boxster, and a friend, a friend of a friend had literally bought one about a year prior to me looking. Right. And I went out in that. And it uh, it was um, it was brilliant. It was so I didn't ever ever felt like it was a stopgap 
as such. I felt like it was just part of the journey rather than it being, oh, I'm just going to get this until I can get that. It was, oh, no, I'm going to, I want to get this, enjoy it. Yeah. And then move on as we all do. So uh, I was looking for maybe four or five months and then one came up local to me, good mileage, a few little bits, which I did one, which I couldn't get, but it was within my price range, allowed me enough money to keep behind for maintenance and stuff. So that's, then that's when I picked that up. I think that was when I was 20, uh, 24, I think 23 or 24. I can't okay. Uh, so quite yeah. young, quite young. So, yeah. So it was a dealer car or was it a privately listed car? Uh, it was a dealer. Dealer car. It was a dealer. Okay. Yeah. So, so what was the process? Tell the listeners what, tell the listeners about this car because you bought this car, right? So tell the listeners what the, yeah. what the car is, the model, um, and let them know any options and whatever. And then we'll talk about how the process was at this dealer, whether it was a good experience or not for your first, um, for your first Porsche purchase. Yeah. So it was a 2.5 Boxster, uh, yep. 1999. Um, it had, funnily enough, one thing I was looking for was traction control. I'm not sure why I was, it had to have the traction I think it was my experience with the MG and spinning that, which made me, yeah. made sure I had that. Uh, it had heated seats, full lever. Um, it had the turbo wheels, so it had like the 996 turbo wheels yep, on it. Nice. Um, had had painted calipers. It uh, and the sound was just unbelievable. It was the sound when I test drove it. It was the sound. It was just like oh, it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, it, the the dealer I bought from wasn't again. again as we've as I've got older and you understand like, internet's become a lot sort of more sociable, you understand about good dealers, bad dealers. At the time it was oh, he's a car dealer, so it yeah. must be okay, type of thing. But they were prepared to them pretty good. Um they were a small dealer. They had a few nice cars in their forecourt, but there was no uh, I bought the car and it was it it was good to me. Touch wood. It, at the time, it was I was just praying nothing went wrong and nothing did, and it was a brilliant, brilliant car. I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. So you went for the test drive. You went to the dealership. You went for the test drive. Was it was it a quick decision then? Once you went out on that drive in the car, you were you were pretty much convinced that was that was the one you were going to buy. Yeah, I, I tried to go in objectively, but that's what I Yeah, I was. I, I told myself, no, go in with your head, check the tires, check this, check that. But we put the roof down, went on the test drive, and I say, Michael, that's that, the sound was absolutely brilliant, um, uh, and that's what sort of just hooked me there. And then I was like, I've got to have this. Okay, so let's go to my favorite question: Did you get any inspections done, or did you just just go with it and just and just trust <laughs> that it was going to be not that troublesome, <laughs> and you were just going to pay for whatever repairs came came by? Yeah, no PPI, no anything <laughs> again i i went in with the no i'm gonna get it inspected get this and i literally there did and nothing then, no uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just bought it i i just i fell in love with it um i, I just I, I, sorry matthew did it have a good service record i forgot what you said it had all the log books and good service record or not how many yeah, owners? Had, yeah log books uh, i think it had don't uh, i think about three two owners at the time so I think because at the time it was only six years old. I think it had two owners. Uh, all the services were done. But when I'm looking at it, it was in every, every, it's only three services in the book at the time, which again, for six years now, we know you get one done every year, but I think the Porsche guidance was every two years. So yes, yes. it had all the services done. Um, it had a few bits changed 
on it. So we had like the upgraded alloys and stuff like that. So I nice. think the, the person, what I took back, what I took from it was the person who had it before actually enjoyed the car and looked after it. And it was in good, very, very good condition. Um, so I was happy to... Yeah, and it's a pretty new car at the time. Like you said, it's only six years old, you said, right? It's only it's still a pretty, yeah. new, pretty new car, really. Six years old is nothing. Yeah. So how was it then? You know, you, you buy it from this dealer, you hand over your cash, you've saved up all this money, um, and, and I'm, I'm guessing it was, a, you know, it's, it's not easy, not an easy purchase. It wouldn't have been cheap at the time. How yeah. was that experience when you first drove out of that, when you first picked it up and, and went for a real drive in the car? Uh, absolutely brilliant. It, uh, I. I can't, it's hard to explain. And you'll know because obviously you you have your, you have an 11. It's not about the speed. It wasn't about the, anyone looking at it. It was just that feeling it gives you when you, and when I had the roof down, just so you could hear the induction box. And it it was just that feeling of just, uh, this is what I, I, I've looking for for so long. It was absolutely brilliant. It's funny you say about the, the the noise, the induction noise. Someone else told me that in a message the other day, how it's on the – is it on the left-hand side? The noise inside the Boxster cabin. And I've only been in a Boxster once, mm. once, and it was quite some time ago, um, one my brother had a long time ago. And I can't really remember the noise. I remember you sat quite low. I remember it wasn't that windy. I remember yeah. it felt really cool to be in it. I mean, it sounded – sounded good it felt fast you know what i mean and this was only a, this is yeah, probably yeah. a 2.5 as well at the time it's probably the same as what you owned um but it's always that noise that people always make that point about the noise of the box that has that great induction noise in the cabin yeah it, i can't it, it's, again it's hard to to explain but it, on the nine the 911 noise is a for me anyway it's my own personal opinion it's a totally different noise to the box the, the box that at the time for me it, the noise I enjoy. It. I felt like it had a nicer tone, a nicer note to it than the 911. Um, but again, that was from limited experience. I'd only sort of been in one 911 and only ever been past them, sort of when they've been driving past me on the street. So I didn't have a great experience. But at the time, sitting in the box, the that tone of the mm. the exhaust, the induction was it. That's what I loved, um, and that's why I probably that's what sort of really hooked me into into the Boxster when I went to look at it. So, were you living were you living in the city then? Did you park it on the street? Did you have somewhere to park it? Because that's always a concern when you get a soft top, right? When you get something that yeah. people can vandalize and stuff like that. Was it was it parked yeah, on the streets so, uh, in London, or do you had somewhere to park it? Yeah. So at the time, I was living um, in in London, so it was parked on the street. Um, I once came out and someone stuck a mop up the exhaust and stuff like that. <laughs> you do, you do, and someone I, I one day forgotten to lock the car and someone had opened up the door and stuff oh, right. like that. And it, again, it's my fault, but at the same time, you hope that that wouldn't happen. But um, living in London at the time, it wasn't the best to have it parked on the street. Someone reversed into it, drove away, so yeah. I had to get the bumper fixed and stuff like that. So it, it it wasn't the best for it and it does it did sort of detract from the ownership experience. Yeah, it's distressing, isn't it? I mean I in, even in Sydney, I used to live in inner city in Sydney. Um and this is going back, you know, early two thousands. And I had at the time I had an Audi A three and I used to have to park it in the street. 
<clears throat> you know, or I had a Persia before that and I had to park it in the street. And same thing, same thing even in Sydney. It doesn't have to be London as any inner city area. Yeah. Someone, yeah, jumped, on, someone yeah. jumped on the bonnet, you know, then someone wow. scratched the door. You know, it's just like a common occurrence. It is, it is something that you have to think about, isn't it, when you're buying a Porsche that, you know, you really do yeah. need somewhere um, to park it that's reasonably safe. Even though I never understand in London... Um, around Mayfair and around there, how there's all these, you know, supercars just parked in the street. Oh, I still don't understand how you could park. Yeah. You know, I, I watched something on YouTube last night, someone, some detailing guy in London who goes around and washes supercars and there's like just a Ferrari mm. just parked in the street, you know, 2020 model. Um, I just couldn't do it. I don't yeah, think I could sleep at night. It, no. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. So I, 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 I work in Mayfair. Uh, oh, okay. And yeah, so I'm there, sort of there every day and you sort of see there was a night saying that there was a Carrera GT which used to before the pandemic there was a Carrera GT which used to be parked on the road the white one and it used not to, the white one I think it was silver oh, okay. I think there was, there was I'm sure it was silver and it used to astound me I used to see it parked on the road every day I'm just like well, how, 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 why 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 are you doing that yeah. it, it's just absolutely amazing kind that you see uh, the Ferraris uh, there's a nine 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 seven turbo which is parked just on one of the squares near where i am the things and you just it, people do it and um, but i guess it, yeah i guess it all depends on if you have enough money i guess money it doesn't got. matter <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> okay so let's go back to your cars so you've got the 99 yeah. the 986 2.5 boxster um 99 model right 99 yeah 99 99 model so how long do you own the boxster for matthew how long do you enjoy that car for so the boxer i had for around two and a half years yeah, okay. two and a half years I had the Boxer 4. Um, and reliability-wise, it was pretty good? Because the listeners always like to know if there's any issues with, with these sort of cars, you know, then and now. Yeah, but yeah, reliability was fine. The only issue, the only major issue I had was the coolant tank, the cap. Oh, okay. Was, I think that's a common issue amongst mm. uh, quite a few of the, the, the more 911s as well. So that was the only major issue. Other than that, it was standard service in MAF, the airflow filter, which, M- M- yeah, the sensor would need to be changed. Yep. Um, other than, yeah, other than, it was good to me. Uh, oh, that's great. Again, it wasn't my expertise when I was looking to <laughs> doing all my checks. It was just luck in the draw. It was... Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's it's good. really good to me. So, yeah, I couldn't complain. So you had it for two years. How did you go yeah. when you sold that car? Because the previous cars, you said you've lost about, you know, you lost money and you lost about 30%. Was the Boxster, you still lost a bit on the Boxster? Did you go into your second Porsche after that or was there a stopgap again? So, yeah, I lost on that again. I, I think I must have bought at the height and sold at the, uh, at the bottom on that one because I took quite a hit on that one. It was right. when I sold that. So, yes, it was six years old when I bought it. So, 2005 to 2006 when I bought it and I sold around 2008-ish. Okay. So, financial crisis time just before yeah, in just time. in the middle so uh, again I, so I took a hit on that uh, and then so in between then i just i was looking for something small to just get around in which i could park in where i lived at the time which wasn't the best area and just not worry about it so i bought a, a mini cooper mini okay. cooper s yep uh, um i thought it would be more economical in terms of insurance tax but in reality i should have just kept the boxster um, was it unreliable it the mini because i've heard stories yeah, of people a, I, I knew some people yeah. in sydney that bought them and they were quite unreliable in the early days 
Yeah, I had a few issues with it. Um, there was something to do, there was a few leagues that we couldn't try, track. There was right. something else. Again, it was one of those things where I gave it to a mechanic to look at, and they were saying, oh, this is wrong. Oh, yeah, we need to change this. And I, again, my sort of technical knowledge wasn't the best at the time. I didn't really have much um, understanding of uh, engines and stuff. So, so was, that, was that the reason why you sold it, though, because you were living in, the, in, in London and it was just not feasible to have a Boxster anymore? Is that the reason? Because you didn't get sick of the car, right? Because you're still a Porsche guy. And, and you say you changed yeah. it to a Mini. Was that the reasoning behind it because of just the too much yeah, worry? Was, yeah, that was, that was a big part of it. It was, I think it was after it got hit on my road. So after the exhaust, the broom up, the exhaust incident, and then yeah. it got someone reversed into it. Yeah. And then I, and went, cause I, I washed my cars because I like to see if there's any scratches or any little things. So that's the only way you'd ever know. Yeah. And there was a few marks on it and it was starting to get a bit frustrating because then these things just add up and add up and not having somewhere to park it or maintain it was a big issue. So that was one, that was a major factor. In, in selling it and the, the, the idea was okay sell it get something else and I was thinking about moving home at the time find somewhere with a driveway and yep. then once that happens then I can hopefully save and then get uh, another box or 911 that was the aim so uh, it was a big factor uh, in selling it okay so how many years went by so you you, you got the mini You've had the Boxster, and then you start thinking, what I really want is a 911, and you start looking yeah. for this 911. How long ago was that? And what did you start so, looking for? So, yeah, so I had, it was about three years. I had the Mini for, I think, 18 months, two years, I think. So my memory's a bit sketchy, sorry. Uh, and then... <laughs> so is my I, um, <laughs> I, to, I, I did write down a few, so I was trying to... You think, why did I actually have that? Because, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm waffling here. But, um, so, yeah, so I had the the Mini for about a year and a half. It's uh, two years. And then I didn't have a car for a year because I just, I stopped using it as much at that point. So I'd met someone, we sort of settled down. She had a car, so it was, okay, let's okay. sort of use your car between us and we can save a bit of money, this type of thing. And then I think it was around 2010, 2011, so yeah, about three years um, after I was just, looked, again, I never stopped looking. And that's, the, that's one of my biggest problems. Even when I've got a car, I just continue looking at the classifieds. So I was looking, um, just browsing, and then one came up. And the, the, the price, I was shocked at how much 996 would have fallen off from when I was looking when I bought the Boxster. Right. Uh, so at this time, you could pick up a, a half decent nine nine six for around fourteen to fifteen, and if That's you wanted good. to then pick up something which maybe needed a little bit of work, you pick one up for like ten to twelve k. So that's so about like, okay. how many years ago? Ten, ten years ago? Eight years ago? Uh, about about ten. Yeah, about ten. Ten to eleven years ago. Yeah. Ten to eleven years ago. Okay. So mm. you so you find a you found a nine nine six then? What did you find? Yeah, so I found the blue 996, uh, 3.4, uh, had a sports exhaust. It had, I think, the, I'm trying to think what I was. I've got pictures of it. Uh, it, it had black, black interior. It had the stereo swapped out, so it had all, the, so you could have Bluetooth and all okay. that stuff. Um, it, again, but the one that I bought, I found was, I think I paid 9,500 9, for it. 
And what time. year was that, Matthew? Was it what year was the what, 1998? So first gen, yeah, it was first gen, yeah, first, first gen, gen yeah. 996. And when you bought yeah. it at the time, it was about what 12 years old. Probably about the same time when I bought my 997. It was about 12 years old when I bought my 997 as well. Uh, yeah, it's about 12. Yeah, about 12 years. About 12 to yeah, 12 to 13 years old. Yeah. That's so correct. was it a manual or was it a tip? So, uh, manual, manual. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I've always flirted with the idea of a tip, but I've always <laughs> stuck to always stuck to the manuals. Nothing wrong with a tip, um, though, right? Nothing so yeah. wrong with a tip. No, no, nothing, no, nothing wrong with it at all. No, it's each to their, each to their own, as we say. So, um, where was the car? You saw it was a private seller, so you found it in, you found it online, or you found it in, in the newspaper. Where did you find the car, and, and how did you go about getting this one? Did you, did you throw a dice again and say, "I'm going to trust my luck and not do an inspection"? Is that how it worked? Yeah, well, so I, it was on Auto Trader, and it was about forty-five minutes away from where I uh, was living at the time. Uh, it was a, tr- it was a trader. We worked from his house. So it was a private sale, but he just dabbled in cars. He had a few nice cars. Um, so I went to look at it uh, on the weekend. And again, I went in with my head note. I'm going to get an inspection. <laughs> I'm going to do this. No, yeah. have this look and do this check. But I got in again and it sort of just took me by, so I was just like, oh, I, I need to have this. I, I just, I'm a, I just got no willpower whatsoever <laughs> and it totally sucked me in. So uh, the car itself, again, was good car. It was clean, done all the sort of necessary checks that you do um, on the number plate, VIN, all that stuff. And that all came back fine. Had a look around, took loads of uh, photos and sort of asked my brother just to have a quick look just to see what he thought because it because of the price i thought it's going to go pretty quickly so you yeah. sort of had to move quick um but at this one again so so i got something i should have mentioned this one had about ninety thousand miles on it so okay. the mileage was pretty high pretty high but again yeah. looking through the service book it had been serviced very regularly and something told me that it, it was fine I don't know again maybe that was just me convincing myself rather than it actually being fine but again I took a chance and yeah, how many was, how many owners did it have do you remember I cannot remember off the top of my head but they weren't very high because that was one of the that was one of the things I look at if it's a high mileage and loads of owners it, it, it would sort of throw more alarm bells and if it had high mileage and a low number of owners. So this one had, I'm sure it had low owners, which is why I went to look at it in the first place. Is this the, is this Midnight Blue? Is that the one on your Instagram, the very first image on your Instagram? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Okay, I'll just let the listeners know actually while we're, we're on that. Um, if you go to Matthew's Instagram, um, give him a follow, make sure you heard his story on owner stories. It's at midnight.997, at midnight.997. So that's Matthew's Instagram. It's got pictures of his cars on there and a few other cars as well, a few other Porsches. Um, so that's the very first image. That's a nice color in the in the 996, that midnight blue. Huh? It's a very good color. Yeah. Uh, so how was it at that time? Because I can't remember. Um, how was the thing with the IMS? Was that something that was in people's minds at the time when you bought that car? Or was that something you knew about it, about the IMS? Or was it something you didn't even think about? But being honest, it was one of those things. The the internet wasn't. Uh, it, well, it was something that we could use for resource, but not as we do now. Yes. The, the number of there weren't that many forums. There weren't that many 
um, you, the YouTube wasn't a big thing. So it's not like it was something that was well publicized. So yes. I'd heard about it, but I didn't sort of know enough. And then it's only after I bought the car where I started doing a lot more reading, buying a few more magazines and you'd read about the RMS, IMS. Yes. And then also ball scoring, but that was sort of more prevalent to the 3.6s to the 3.4s. Yes. And it was only after I sort of bought it that I started to read a lot more into these things. Again, some people say it was overblown. And, but if it happens to you, then you're in that 100%. So it's not overblown. So it was, it was something I wish I'd done a bit more reading on before. Because to be honest, it did, reading about it afterwards, it did sort of sour a little bit. Because you do then worry about it if you yeah, haven't you got the full information. Which at the time, information wasn't available as yes. readily as it is now. So yeah, it was a little bit of an issue. But it was, again, touch at the time just touch wood and it was fine for me but yeah okay something i was fully fully aware of so let's go back to the let's go back you're buying the car you don't do a proper inspection your brother helps you out you check it out um you do the deal it's a good price it's got high mileage but you know it's going to go quickly um so now you've gone from you know you've had a you've had no car for a bit and you've had you know other cars in between how does it feel, though, from when you have that memory of the Boxster, Matthew? You have the memory of the Boxster in your head, the mid-engine Boxster. Now you're in a rear, rear engine. You're in the 911. You're in the 996 that you remember driving when you were 19. How did it feel? Was it still that same memory of that first one you drove, or was it even better? Uh, it, was better. <laughs> it was better than the first one I drove. Because when I, the first one I drove, we sort of just went in a straight line. But where this person lived... Uh, there was quite a few country lanes to come home and it was just fantastic. The way it handled, I, I didn't push it because I was a bit nervous. I was really nervous. I'm not gonna lie. I was really, really nervous about pushing the car, but just going through and the way I'd never experienced how the box, it's hard to, the Boxer and the 911 drive, they do drive similar. From my, from my memory, sorry, they drive similar. But with, I felt like, the Carrera just felt a bit more planted to me. I, I don't know what it was. It just felt, you right. go around corners, it didn't feel like you moved at all. It was absolutely brilliant. And with this one had a sports exhaust on it as well. So that noise, it was a different noise. It was a raspier, louder, sounded absolutely brilliant, especially when you, when the time of year I picked it up, you're going through these lanes and there was the, all the trees <laughs> sort of yeah. over. So the sound was yeah. sort of kept in. You put your foot down, you hear that, Rasp, yeah, good it feeling. Unbel- it was unbelievable. So that yeah, was an OEM Porsche sports exhaust, was it, or an aftermarket one? Do you remember? Uh, that was an OEM Porsche sports oh, nice. exhaust that nice. was on there. So yeah, it was. It sounded unbelievable. It sounded brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. So were you still? How did you go with that situation with the car then? Are you still in central London? Are you still parking on the street, or now you've got somewhere else to park it where it's a bit safer? So th- at this point. When I'd moved a little bit further out of London, so I was on the sort of cusp, it's just inside the M25. So I had a, I bought a flat, but I had sort of my own parking at the front, but we didn't have a driveway. It was still on the street, but it was a lot quieter. Right. Um, so it was, it felt fine. But so in reality, yeah, but in reality, after a couple of months, you realize, well, any road you park on is a road. It's just because it's a quieter road doesn't mean. It, yeah true true and i had again a few issues uh people scratching it etc oh, really? uh, when they're sort of parked yeah just not uh maliciously but parking scratches so oh, right. someone putting out but then 
a lot of the time is what I was using the car for as well is because it was my only car. I'd sometimes, well, I feel if I went to, I'd play football on the weekend. So you go drive to football and you're in a car park, right. you drive here and, uh, and you'd get little dings. And it's again, it's just, well, it's, it's part and parcel of it. But at the time, because it was my car, I, I loved it. Any little scratch, any little mark, it would send me into overdrive. I'm really annoyed <laughs> about it type thing. So it it, it's hard though when you're using it as your daily almost, right? You're using it as yeah. your it's, it's an everyday car almost. But, yeah. But I guess you can sort of justify it a little bit. It's, you know, it's still a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. So I guess you can sort of justify it that way. But it's still a possession. And I'm like you, you know, any little market just drives me crazy. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it makes it really difficult. So how long... How long did you have the uh, the nine nine six point one for? I had that for eighteen months. Eighteen I months. That, yeah, eighteen months. I didn't have it for that that long. Um, so, what was the deciding I, factor when you decided? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move this on. Um, oh, where I just I just moved, um, and I was doing some renovations to the property that I just bought. Okay, and I was just weighing up everything because I literally maybe I think I'd put maybe five six hundred miles on in the, the the last the last six months of having it right I, in well sorry in total I put on about 1800 miles in the 18 months but in the last six months I literally put on maybe 200 200 300 miles maximum oh, okay. so I was just like I'm not using it it's sitting on the street and it was I just felt like maybe I'd get rid of it do the bits I needed to do at home and then once I'm sort of settled again I'll start looking again for something else so that that was part of the reason it was I just wasn't getting used it was sitting on the road and I just felt it was a bit of a shame it was just it just sitting there so, okay so lack of lack of use in a way you decided to move it on yeah so how did you yeah. sell it did you sell it to a dealer or did you list it privately and sell it yourself so I sold that privately okay um, I sold that privately uh, it took a while to sell. Oh, really? No, it took a while, funny enough. Yeah. I think, again, I think I just must have sold it. It was in really good, the car was in really good condition, had all the services, uh, had suspension. I had to end up changing the rear suspension. Um, so it had all the upkeep done, but it just ticked over a, it was like night. It was going to, because you're in the 90s. I yes. think a lot of people see it as, oh, well, it's going to get to 100 soon, so I don't really want to be the bird because once it goes over 100, oh, then they yeah. feel like they lose. It's that magic number. Everyone seems to get hooked on the 100,000 yeah, miles. Yeah, 100,000 miles, so where, yeah. Yeah, so where it was, I think it was in 93 or 94 when I sold it. Um, I think that put a lot of people off. And how did you go though? You don't not to mention prices, but did you? So you lost money in this as well. The prices of nine nine sixes were still dipping at that point. Yeah, they were still dipping. So I think okay, I think I lost about twenty. I think I paid just under ten. I think I sold it for seven and a bit. I think. Um, okay. So yeah, I lost a little bit on it. Uh, again, but it's just the market. Just at that point in time, seemed to just fall off a cliff. Um, yeah, it did. It did, didn't it? That around that period. So you, yeah, you've, you've had the nine eleven. You know, you've had the dream car almost, so to speak. And then you decide to sell it because you haven't been driving it, right? Other things are happening yeah. and you haven't been driving it. You've got a new house. You've been doing renovations. What happens to make you get into your next one? Because there's, there's more to come. We're not finished yet. So what happens <laughs> What happens in, in that period where you decide, okay, I, 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 I want to look for another 911? Uh, I think it's the ticking over into 30. <laughs> oh, really? I hit 30, 30 what? I think I was 31 or 32. Right at that point, and I was just like, I, I miss, I missed it. I, 
I know I didn't drive it much, but I really, really missed not having that 996. Yep. Just, I think it's what you did, it's funny enough, one of your last podcasts when you said the art, the, the fun of driving nowhere, it was, I just missed that. I'd sort of stopped playing sport. So I was getting older, I stopped playing football. And, I, and that was my outlet. And I yep. just not having it, just, it, I, I just really missed it. Um, so I, that's why I got into, I started looking again, looking at the classifieds, eBay, Auto Trader, Gumtree, the lot, just sort of keeping a feeling on the market. So how many years ago was this, Matthew? Um, so when, when I sold it, when I... When you started the, looking the, again, when you started looking for the oh, new 911? Uh, I think about six years ago. Six years ago. So yeah, 2015. So you're starting to look, you're yeah. looking at 911s again. You're not looking for boxes, right? You're still looking for the 911. You want to stay in the 911. Yeah, stay in the 911, yeah. Okay, yeah. so do you think, okay, I really enjoyed the 996. I'm going to look for a 996.2. You know, I'm going to get the, the newer version of the mm. 996. Or do you think, okay, I'm going to look for a, I'm going to look for a 997. Or a 991, but 991 is probably too, still too expensive, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they were. Yeah, the 991 are well out of my range. Um, so at the time, the market was still quite soft. So... I looked originally at 906.2s. I was looking at the Creo 4S. Okay, um, nice. Funnily enough. But it, what the reason that I didn't go for that was the interior, because I felt if I get that, I'll be, it, the inter, are you still sitting in the same cabin? Yeah. And I just wanted to have a little bit more refined. And I felt it feel like the 996 interior, once you'd sort of sat or looked at a 997 interior, for me personally, just the lines were more sharp in the 997. It just felt yeah, a little are. bit more they are. I think, forward in time. Yeah, I think with the 996, so it's a, bit, it's a really strange one because um, my wife's boss used to have a Carrera 4. He had a Carrera 4. Mm. And I remember the first time I, uh, I sat in it, and, and I think I might have mentioned this on, the, on an early podcast, and I, it, was, it felt luxurious inside. I never thought when I sat in that car for the, the few times I went for a drive in that no. car, I never thought, wow, this interior is really dodgy. It's not that, that very <laughs> nice at all. You know what I mean? It's really weird. Even yeah, at that time, yeah. I thought it's okay. But we kind of, like when you see photos of 9, it doesn't photograph well the 996 interior. It really doesn't photograph well. No, it doesn't. No. Um, but I just, you know, and it's a weird thought because I think, you know, we all talk about the interior of a 996 not being that great. But I remember sitting in it and thinking, wow, this is, this is pretty nice. The five dials and the dash and, you know, it, it seemed very special at the time. It's, it's weird how things change. It's weird how things change. So you wanted something different. You don't want to sit in the same surrounding. You want to go up to the next generation. Yeah. So how does the, how does the next 911 come about and what is it? Um, so uh, it was a 2006 silver oh. 996.0. So nine six nine nine seven point one C two same as mine. Carbon, carbon copy of yours, Mark. Um, and I again, I, I was Arctic silver or GT silver. Arctic silver. Okay. Yeah, it was Arctic silver. So manual. Uh, manual. Yeah. Sorry, six speed manual. It, to be fair, it was bare bones. This one. It didn't have Bose. It didn't have the uh, Pasm. Didn't have heated seats. Didn't. It was someone that's car how can I get into this the cheapest yep. way possible type thing yep. that's what it was but it, I, was looking, so I was looking for a while I was looking at say, nine nine, uh, I was looking at the C4S I was looking for 997.1s uh, originally I wanted the C4 yes but the C4 I didn't want a 3.8 I wanted the 3.6 yes but the C4s are, they're rarer a lot rarer yeah. and 
they, they were a lot more expensive at the time. Why did you so, want the C4? What was the reasoning behind that, Matthew? What was the reasoning behind um, the C4? Because it's not, it's not uh, everyone's choice. And like you said, they are pretty no. rare. There's not many out there. Yeah. I, don't, I wanted to try the four-wheel drive. I, okay. I, I was just – well, if I, where I had the, the C2 in the 996, I just wanted to see what the four-wheel drive um, – I just wanted to – because, again, it's just getting a little bit more difference. So I just yeah. thought, okay. And the difference in the width, because it's only when you really look at them – if you know what you're looking at, but I, I can straight away see the C4, the difference between the C4 and the C2 because I've stared at 997s for so long, I can see the difference. Yeah. Uh, but it's not when I was originally looking, I couldn't really see it. But then there, there is that, that difference, which a lot of people do say, oh, actually, because when you look at the C4S, it's uh, that width does give you that bit more uh, of aggressive sort of stance. Yeah. Um, but the C2 was still sort of top of part of the shop, top, quite high up on the shopping list. It wasn't a case of, oh, no, I want to C4. I don't want to C2. I didn't like the C2. It was uh, C4 if I can find one, but I love the C2. So it, it wasn't any ever. Sorry, did issue. any C4s come up? Was there any that you like looked at and not were attempted? Nothing? N- no, nothing. Not, not, in my, not in my price range that I was tempted by. A lot of them either had mileage was too high or they were low mileage and really expensive so there was none which fit into my bracket i was looking for one in and around 60 65,000 miles okay um, but it was either really low mileage or really high so yeah and was, you're going up in the price range here aren't you because i I, yeah. I can't remember the price in the uk at the time but from a 996 to a 997 you 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 are jumping up quite a bit oh right? uh, yeah 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 huge so at the time i think 997s were more early 20s that's what i was thinking um yeah. for the range i was looking at anyway they they there would have been more that were a lot or a lot less but the what i was looking at though sort of early 20s and 996s again you could pick those up for 10 12s 13s yes so yeah. there's a big difference in the in the price i mean the so, c4s if you would have bought a c4s at that time and still had it you would have made money on that one that's for sure 996 oh, yeah uh, yeah yeah 100 <laughs> so, so at the time they were that would have 15, been an appreciating 14 asset. 14 or 15. Yeah. yeah, that definitely would have been an appreciating asset. And yeah. funnily enough, at the time, I was trying to con- convince myself I had enough money for a 996 Turbo, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were early 20s. They were oh, right, early 20s really? at the time. To early to, early to mid-20s, for, well, depending on mileage and years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you could pick up a, a 996 Turbo for in between 20 and 25. Um, that, so, for, uh, but then... That was having the years ago. So that's yeah. still more than what you pay for the nine nine seven. Yes, that was more than what I paid for the nine nine seven. Okay, so, so how did how did the nine nine seven come about? Sorry, how did the nine nine seven come about? Did you so, was that in a dealer or how did you find that one? No, so the nine nine seven was a private um, was a private uh, private sale. So I, there was a gentleman on a forum for nine eleven UK. Yes, um, and I kept just looking through the classifieds, and he posted got his car for sale, etc. Um, so I said okay he's on a forum which means I know you shouldn't make the assumption he's into his cars because you only ever join a forum if you're into what you're looking at Yeah. So, so I went to go look at it he lived in the country somewhere nice big double garage carpet as you walk into his garage he, he was a uh, mechanic by trade for uh, civil service okay so he he knew his cars uh, and the car was immaculate. He 
everything he'd done. He kept receipts, logs, everything that he'd changed. He kept the old part so oh, he fantastic. could take photos of it and yeah. so he could show you what had changed, this, that, right. and the other. And right. yeah, the car was, again, it was bare bones, but it was, it was clean. It was a really, really good car. So uh, that, and it was that which made me buy the car this time. Rather than, I did want a few of the extras like Bose and the, I was hoping to have the uh, Pazm and uh, yes. Sports Chrono, but again, on 3.6s, they're a lot, they're a lot more rare on the 3.6. Yeah, they are. Mine, those, doesn't those have Mine doesn't have that. Mine doesn't have Pazm, no, it doesn't well, have Chrono. Well, Mine doesn't even have Xenons. It just has the standard lights, which is probably the main downfall, I think, that the lights are just, once you've had Xenon lights or any sort of electronic yeah, the, lights, yeah. the base lights are very yellow and very dim. Not great. Yeah, but I don't think, I don't think mine have got Zenons either, actually. I bought, I bought some bulbs, actually. I bought them from somewhere in the UK. I forget the name of this. Some site mm. that just sells bulbs. Um, and I bought them to change it. I read it on Rainlist or something. I forget what they're called now. Um, to change the actual bulb in the lights, which make it brighter. Um, I probably do want to get back, actually. I've still got them. I just never yeah. got around to pulling it out and putting them in. Um, yeah. that it's, definitely, some it's definitely something worth it. It's yeah, definitely it is. Worth. The lights are definitely the – that's worth. the downfall. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you can do without the Zen, without the bows. Bose is okay. Mine's got Bose. That's one of the few things it has, and it has a sunroof. Mm. But that's about it. Um, telephone module, which is obsolete now, doesn't even work. Yeah. Um, but you know, if it, I think the lights are the main. I think even when you buy a new nine eleven, don't you think, Matthew? I think the main thing you want is you want you know you want the exhaust. You want the good lights. Um, they're yeah. kind of things that you'd have to pick if you if you had the money to spec a new nine uh, eleven. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So 100%. you're into the next generation. So you're going through the, you're going through the models here. You've had a Boxster. You've had a 996.1 yep. Carrera, 99. And now you're in your 06, same model, as, same model year as mine. 06997, which has the larger IMS bearing. I'm guessing yours has got the larger one if it's an 06. Yeah. Yep, Arctic Silver, uh, manual. Yep. So how was the difference? And let, let's yep. just talk about the driving experience. What are the what is what's the main thing you notice between the nine nine six and nine nine seven? Were they really really similar, or was there a, a marked difference? Um, no, they were they were remarkably similar. If I'm honest, um, I think the nine nine seven just felt more comfortable from the cabin perspective. I felt that the cabin is more comfortable uh, in the nine nine seven, but but again, that may be just because I like it more, not because it actually is. If that makes sense, right? Uh, it. They drive very, very similar. There's not much difference in them. This one had a tiny bit more power. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit. Power's not some, yeah, but something I'm, power's not something I'm really hooked up on. And I'm not uh, 0 to 60 in, it's got to be 0 to 60 in two seconds yeah. kind of guy. So um, it, they were very similar. I, I preferred the lines on the 997 in terms of the, the 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 headlights at the front, there's not much the shape of the obviously we all know very similar, but the, the the headlights were just I just preferred the look, and I think it, I just felt more. If I was in a nine, if I was still in my old nine nine six, I'd always be looking at nine nine seven, thinking I want to be in the nine nine seven. But being in my nine nine seven, I didn't look at a nine nine six and go, I want to be back in a nine nine six. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. So you've got the you know the nine the nine nine six you had had the sports exhaust it had the OEM sports exhaust yeah the nine nine seven doesn't was that something you wanted to upgrade did you did you do anything to the exhaust or did you just leave it how it was because you would have noticed that straight away right because the nine 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 seven is quite yeah. soft in base form mine was very, very soft before I yeah. did the Fistamon yeah very soft so yeah that was one of the things I wanted I wanted to upgrade but, but I didn't 
in the end do it and it is noticeable it is very noticeable the sound sports exhaust sound to the non the non uh, the standard sound so to speak um so that was again that was on the list of things to do but something i never just never got around to doing so it's it, that was the one thing which i missed from the 996 but it was also that was something which was you could rectify quite yeah. easily so yeah. So you enjoyed that car. You get, did you get to drive it outside of London and 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 feel how feel the, the 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 speed and the experience of it, or are you just driving it around London? Yeah, well, if I I had it for about two weeks and the water pump failed. You had it for two weeks. <laughs> okay, I had it for two weeks and the water pump failed on me. But that was again something that's pretty common: uh, water pump failure uh, on the nine nine seven, and then. But now another month or two later, I was having an issue with, um, it's like a hot start problem. I'm not sure if you've ever read about it. When, if you've been driving the car for a while and the engine's hot, you, right. if you turn it off and then go to crank it again, it doesn't crank. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, so it, it's, I've read about it on forums. It's, I say, I don't know how common it is, but again, that was another issue I had. Um, so it cost me quite a bit, even though it was meticulously maintained, these things sort of rear their heads yeah, because it was In a well-maintained never, example, wasn't yeah. it? It's a real. I mean, yeah. these are just things that wear out after time, right? I haven't heard about that that hot starter thing. I've heard something. I remember something that was on Renless where you your car is running, you turn the key to turn it off, but it doesn't turn the key off. It doesn't turn the car off. I don't know whether uh, that's I'm the same issue. Yeah, but it still keeps no, running. Like there's, it must be something to do with the ignition or whatever. I think it was. I remember reading about that on Renless. Yeah, so the, so the issue, the, the hot start issue is if, so there's a cable which runs from front to back right. and over, over time the, con, the conductivity of it starts to fail. Right. So it's, it, when you, sort of, it's fine, on cold, cold start, it'll crank spot on, not a problem. Okay. But you've been driving it for a while, once it's hot, if you turn it off and then go to turn it back on straight away, it doesn't like it and it doesn't crank, oh, right. it doesn't turn over. And it was quite dangerous because if you, stall it in the middle of a busy junction then you're sort of stuck oh, so wow. again that was something i had to get changed and that wasn't cheap um so what do they have to so do it, to, to fix that it's expensive is it uh, it's, it's a loom yeah it's a whole loom which needs to be changed oh, um, really wow yeah it wasn't um but luckily again i so when i bought my the 996 i started researching local porsche independence Yes. This was something I wasn't really aware of before. And I found a guy who I've taken all my cars to since. And he's brilliant. He knows his stuff when oh, it comes good. to Porsche. So it was expensive, but it was a lot cheaper than if I'd gone to a main yeah. dealer to get it done. So all right. yeah, it was it, yeah, not, not, good, not a good time. First not a good time, no. That. So the water pump, no. you've got the wiring. So this is, as you said, it's a really well-maintained car. The guy had mm. records of everything. The guy's genuine yeah. that sold it to you. These are just things yeah. that that would happen. And, you know, these are things, even if you got a PPI, they're probably things that wouldn't have even turned up on a PPI. No, you know wouldn't. what I mean? No. They would turn up later. Yeah. And a lot of people say this. They get a pre-purchase inspection, everything's fine, and then they drive it, and yeah. then the next day something happens, you know, something really yeah. bad happens to the car. So yeah. it's not a fail-safe thing exactly. getting a PPI. Yeah. So was there any... So the ownership uh, ownership experience of the 997, because now you're in a new generation, did anything else happen mm. to the 997 that that was a big cost during that period? Um, no, so it was just, it was those two were the main things. I, was, I should have said, actually, I did get a PPR on this one. The first 
time oh, I did, did get a PPI. Okay. Yeah, I did get one on this on this one. I did just because it was a private so where the other two were sort of dealers and you had some sort of comeback. I thought no, it should be fine. Yeah. But this one, I got a PPI, and again, those things just you you can't account for them. But so nothing um, showed so up. The, everything was okay. No. Yeah, everything was okay. Yeah. So yeah, those so it was those two major problems that I had, um, which uh, caught me out. Yeah. It was other than that. Again, to be fair, it, the car was good to me, but I didn't again do many miles in the car for anything to to show up. But yeah, it was it was pretty good to me. But to so, have those two things in your first six months are quite quite yeah, big. It's, yeah, it's not a good feeling, is it? It's not a good feeling no. at all. So what no. happens then? So you've you've got the nine nine seven. You don't have that car anymore, and we're going to get into that what no. you have now, which is which is a good story because you have something similar. <laughs> so what, what happens? Why did you sell yeah. that one? Did you sell it because you were the lack of driving? Did you sell it because what was the reasoning? No, this, this time we'd been just been taken over at work and I had an inkling that things were going to start to go south. So okay. I sort of set myself up to prepare and it happened. So we got, got rid of the whole department, got uh, taken over, got taken out of work. So, okay. It, it well in hindsight I didn't need to because luckily at the time I literally finished one job started the next one on the, the next week so there was no gap in sort of any employment yeah but I was just preparing for a just in case scenario so yeah. and that was the reason I got rid of it this time it was and that was the worst decision I made so when did it, you sell honest. it Matthew what year was that um, that was two twenty Seventeen, I think sixteen. No, six. I think sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay, so let's yeah, get so in. I had Let, it from. So you had it for a couple of years, did you? Yeah, but again, another eighteen to two, eighteen months to two years. And you just said you regret selling that car because it was such a great car. I, I regret selling it because, well, you know, as well, everyone will know what I've got now. I, I've sort of replaced it with something very, very similar, and. I wish I would have had more time to in that period of time where I've so because what I've so the amount of time that's gone, the amount of money I've actually then had to put into another one. I wish I'd if I'd kept it. Yeah, I would prices, have been a lot prices, more. Up. The prices, yeah, as the we prices know, have, have shifted crazy on nine nine seven. So it's we know, yeah. and, and due to the nine nine six prices on the nine nine six have shifted crazy, right? Yeah. And we always talk about values. I know Steve always hates it, but we always talk about values. Yeah. But this is why I want to go back to you, the message you sent me. And you sent me this message, and I, I went back to my DMs because I remember this message, and I just had to refresh my memory. In January, you sent me a message in January this year. Yeah. And you said you, were, you wanted to get back into either a base, a 907 base or a 4S or a, or a turbo. And obviously, it seemed from that message, and I remember reading it when you sent it to me, thinking, you know, it sounds like you really want a turbo. Um, and yeah. you know, I like the turbo. I like the 97.1 turbo. If you can mm. get, if you can get a 997.1 turbo in manual, but those, those prices have gone crazy as well. So, you know, yeah, exactly. they were sitting there and now they're just insane. And then in May, you sent me another message and I'll let you tell the listeners, you, you found something else and you literally replaced what you had before. Is, is it exactly yeah. the same or is it different? Tell the listeners what happened. It, it's also, I'll go back to the original, the original message I sent you. It was, I was looking at 997 turbos, but I was sort of getting lured into the Tiptronic. It wasn't the manual. So the Tiptronic no, sort of sl the Tiptronic slipped into my price range. Yep. And I loved the 
being honest, the 997 Turbo is my dream car, but it would have to be a manual. And I and I've actually sat down and realised if I'd bought the Tiptronic, I would have forever been wanting it to be manual. And yeah. when you're spending that sort of money, you have to be sure you can't buy on a whim. You can't. I'm not without talking figures. Spending seven, eight, ten thousand pounds on a car because you need a car is one thing. But when you're sort of going into those realms, you, you, you don't want to make a mistake because it's, it's that's a lot of money. Yes. Ten thousand pounds is a lot of money. Yeah. So then I started. So the 4S, a 4S again. So then after I looked at that Tiptronic, that that went because I realised I couldn't afford the manual, and I, the Tiptronic would just be a, a stopgap, half baked sort of idea. So don't get me wrong, great cards. This is one of their great cards. Before I get any people saying me, they're slating me. No, they are great cards, but I just, just for me, my own personal, that's not what I wanted. So then the 4S came up, a 997 4S. But aren't they about 40,000? Aren't they, aren't they sitting at that three years ago, still sitting at 45,000 pounds, somewhere like that? 4S? The 4S. Yeah. So the the 997.1 4S, the one that came up as a private sale, uh, it had 60,000 miles on the clock. This was right. back end of last year or maybe beginning of this year. I can't remember the exact time. Right. Um, it had 60,000 miles on the clock, black, just been serviced, had all the uh, suspension arms done, all that stuff. And that was at 26,000 pounds. Wow, that seems very cheap. Yeah, it was really the, – the originally it was up at 29. It was, it was sitting on Auto Trader for a good few months. Right. And I just kept watching it, expecting it to go, and it never did. Right. So then that went down to like 26. And I've spoken to the guy. I said, okay, what was your best? And he still wanted 25 for it. But the only issue I had with the car, it was black. And I didn't necessarily want a black car. Yeah. So I then was trying to convince myself that I wanted a black car because <laughs> I like the 4S. Yeah. But in reality, it's you can go with it. For me personally, you can go without an uh, – an option of I don't know I don't know a, a sports exhaust because that can be modified later on but if you're not sold on the colour of the car you're never going to be totally happy yeah, with true. it so I passed on that okay. again I could have bought that and sold it now and made, made some money but that's not what I was in it for I wanted a car to keep and then I've eventually got into the exact same car that I had the 997.1 3.6 base Carrera in midnight blue. Good color. I, yeah, I, and that and, and it, that was the the thing that sold it to me. It was the color. Um, I was looking at it was between that and silver, and where I'd had the silver, which I loved my silver one because I'd had silver. I swear, the midnight blue. It was just the winner for me. So was this um, one had more options? Was this a, was this a 2006 Matthew as well? So now this is a late 2005. So it's 2005. got the bigger IMS. Yeah, it's got the bigger IMS bearing. Okay. Um, it's got PASM, Bose, sunroof. Um, it's, other than that, it's pretty, um, it's pretty stock other than that. But I, I wasn't looking for anything with loads of loads. – I, I sort of realised that you can have loads of options, but how many of them do you actually use? The only one that I'm missing, and which you rightly correct, correctly pointed out was the exhaust it is very soft on yeah. currently on the on the car on the 997.1 but that's something you can fix you only bought you only bought this car in wasn't it 
April or May, right? Uh, was it earlier in the yeah, year? Yeah, May time. Yeah. May. Yeah. May. So yeah. did you, was, so you found this car. So how many miles did it have on you again? Uh, 78,000. Okay, so pretty low. Still pretty low mileage. Yeah. And this was found, where did you find it? Um, so it was about two hours away from me. Right. Um, so it was out west, past Oxford, uh, past Oxford Way. So yeah, it was uh, a bit of a journey getting to go and see it. Yeah, it's um, a bit of a drive. A bit, yeah. And it was, did, you, did you do a PPI? Yeah, I had a PPI done um, at Auto Farm. They're quite well oh, yeah. known. Good. And they're quite well known in the in the UK. Yes. So I had a PPI done there and they were brilliant. They pointed out quite a few bits that I would never have even thought to look at. Uh, and that helped me get the price down quite significantly um, because mechanically, it's fine. Balls were totally clean. Right. Uh, no issues with... IMS or so mechanically it was sound. It was just there were cosmetically there were a few bits need doing, and on the suspension there was a few bits which needed looking at. So suspension arms, lower arms, the one of the shocks was a little bit, little bit rusty, but not gone. But so little things like that which I would never have seen they picked up and told me okay. about. So these these things, did you need to rectify these things when you bought the car or you, you just left them and you're going to do them over time? You said you got a better price because of it. And that's the benefit of yeah. a PPI, right? That yeah. most of the listeners know that you get a PPI because you can actually, it's not just finding the faults, it's also finding what has to be done. So you can negotiate the price slightly down because you're going to have to eventually fix them. Um, when I bought yeah. my car, I bought it from a dealer, but they had a they had a full um, inspection done or service done by Porsche Sydney and they had all the list of the things that were going to be done and I used that to negotiate. The, well, they, they wanted to use that to negotiate the price anyway, even though they probably upped the price too much in the beginning. Yeah. They, they did bring it down quite substantially. <laughs> um, you know, that trick, that trick that they always do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the things that had to be done though, were they things you had to do straight away after you bought the car? Um, I didn't have to, but I chose to because I... So, for example, like suspension arms, they needed changing. And I feel there's, that's something that's quite important to the drive, to the feel of the car. Yeah. And when I was driving, so when you hit a certain, uh, well, let's call it 71 mile an hour. That's when you hit 70 mile an hour. Uh, you would feel a bit of um, vibration through the steering wheel. And that was due to the suspension, which needed uh, looking at. So... Th- because I've so I had I found I've been quite lucky I've got a Porsche guy so to speak yep. um, and I sort of booked in with him pretty early before I picked the car because I knew what needed to be done I booked in with him and okay. I had them done because I was able to save the money on the price I had the money there yes. to do that's good uh, 80, 80% of the work so that's good so on your yeah. Instagram there's a picture of the car um, if the listeners yeah. are, can see it as well I mean it looks fantastic you've got the good wheels the best wheels yeah. the classic wheels the um, lobster yeah. claws I was going to say Fuchs then the lobster claws um, why you've got yellow calipers did it come that way it came with the yellow calipers no so this is so, so I should I'll take a little tiny step back actually just before I go on to the calipers but yeah of course so when I had so when I bought, when I looked at the car, first time I looked at it, it was pretty overcast, pretty cloudy. Right. Um, it, it body work looked fine. No sort of issues. Didn't look any, anyway to me. Had the PPI done. They said, yeah, it looks fine. But when I got the car in certain lights, you could see some where the car, I think had kid, they call it gravel rash. Right. So where the kidneys of the car, the arches flare out, it looked like that had been resprayed. 
Um, oh, okay. And in certain lights, it didn't it didn't look right to me. Right. So I had I had to I had that rectified because I weren't happy with it. So it, again, that was a cost which I had to bear, but it was part. Is that the photo where you've got it at um, Body Repairs London? That photo is a yeah. great photo. The car looks fantastic in that that yeah. shot. It's a really cool shot. <laughs> and it makes such a difference having having it done there. It was it makes a huge difference to how I appreciate the car. Just looking at it, just it looks spot on. It, I'm really really happy with it. But because I was getting that little bit of work done, I've always loved yellow cab. They're not they're just the brake caliper. I know a lot of people are purists who go, "Oh my god, what are you doing? That looks yeah. disgusting. That's wrong. They don't belong on that car." But the yellow and the blue to me just it it does look good. Spot on. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it uh, does look good. So yeah, that was just something my own personal taste. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice little mod, quick little mod. What else have you done? I, I noticed. Uh, so you got that. The wheels look in immaculate condition, by the way. The wheels are pretty good when you bought it. They're no curving, or yeah. you had them fixed as well. No, so no, they were in pretty good condition. There's a few little bits in there which I need to. Um, I may get them re- redone. A little right. bit of a darker shade. Right. Um, I like your wheels. I like the color of your wheels on your 997, yep. I may go a little bit darker because I think that would look nice against the blue, but I'm going to wait until the summer. I wouldn't do it now because it's coming up to winter. Yeah. Just, they'll just get uh, ruined again. So, um, yeah, so that that's bar the bits that I had to have done. Um, it's touch wood yeah, again so far, so good. It's and your good windows, uh, the windows of your car, they don't, they're not tinted, are they? No. no. Yeah, I really like that, you know. I actually... I would li- I, I wouldn't tint them either. I don't know what it is what they're really in London. I know mine are tinted, and I have actually mm. mentioned I really am seriously thinking of of getting the tint removed because I like that clean, you know, see through, see through yeah. original look. I really do. I think I'm going to remove the tint on my car. Doesn't I'm, the, I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of the tint personally. Very personal choice. I'm not a big big fan of the the tint, and I do like that clean, clear. Yep. Sort of look. So let's let's just go back because you said you know you've got the same car, sort of the same car. It's got a few more options, you know, mm. um, than the previous than the previous nine nine seven. So what is the reg- the regret though? You said it's just because of the price shifted, but you could have should you should have kept the previous nine nine seven because the price has moved so much that you had to pay a lot more for this car. Is that is that the main reason? That, that, that's the yeah, that's the main reason. And I know we we should avoid talking prices and because they're not investments, it's any other. But it, yep. it, it's part and parcel for me. It's part and parcel of the the enjoyment and the hobby. Um, you can't help it. And that's the main reason why I think if I, if I had kept that one, I would have been a lot more, um, I would have been a lot financially, okay. I'd have been winning a lot more, so to speak. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Which car do you think is the better car? Do you think the one that you have now is more sorted than, than the silver one that you owned previously? Um, I'd say the one I have now, but only oh, reason good. being is only reason being is because where it needed a few bits doing, I know they've been done and I know what's been done and I know who's done them. Yes. So that is a big thing. So when, when buying a car, um, it, and no disrespect to quick fit, but if someone's taken their nine, nine, seven turbo to quick fit to have some work done, yeah. would you be happy having it, it? It's been done, Yes. but by someone who's not an expert in Porsche. So for me, knowing it's been done and who it's been done by is it's been it's important yeah and you've got it like so, you said you've you've got it sorted now it's peace of mind you know the things are fixed you know i'm sure mm-hmm. there's other things you want to do is there anything else that you want to do to the car 
Is there anything else you've yeah, got planned? Uh, Any maintenance or mods you want plant to do on the car? Yeah, so I'm booked in for the exhaust mod. Okay. So the Gundo hack or whichever way, yep. I guess be very similar to the your Fister exhaust that you've got on yours. Um, but that's, I still think Gundo's, I, think, I still think the Gundo's louder. I could be wrong. I keep saying it yeah. is, and I don't know where I got it from, but I, I still think the Gundo's are louder. Ladder, um, yeah, maybe. I know they use a, is it a one and a half inch pipe, which I believe is a standard across the boards. So, and the, the people I'm the guy I'm booked in with is sort of well renowned. He was, I know he'd done a video on YouTube for is it Matt, someone at Carwell? Is it Carwell? The, oh, okay, remember, yeah, there's a video on YouTube and he done the work, and he's quite renowned for doing this sort of mod. So, um, yeah, I'm booked in to get that done. You'll I've, love it, it'll make such a big difference. I mean, oh, it'll yeah, make I'm such a big difference. It. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, because having the 3.6, having the 996 with the sports exhaust, the difference is huge. And, yeah. and that's the one thing I, it is definitely lacking. I've tried to, so well, I've been through the Dartford tunnel a couple of times and you yes. sort of drop it down into the second gear, keep it at like 20 <laughs> odd mile an hour, 30 mile an hour. And in, but the sound, it's just not, it's not the same. It's it, not. Yeah, it's not the same, but it's still it's still iconic 911 though, right? I mean, when I first got my 911, you know, I still first time I drove it, and you know, you drive it a little bit, you hear it, and you go, okay, this is wow, I've got a Porsche. Yeah. It still sounds yeah. like that that 911 sound that you always imagined. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not until you get the mod and you go, wow, it can even be better. <laughs> exactly. it's so much better. You know, it really <laughs> exactly. is. It really is so much better. <laughs> exactly. And what else? Anything else you got planned for it? So um, the mod. So the mod. So I've, I, I've had so what I've, I've I've put I've had lowering springs. I've put it on IBAC lowering springs. Oh, okay. But I may change them to the H and R's. Um, the the fronts are perfect, but the rears it's still a little bit too high for me. So I may do that uh, next year. Okay. Uh, I, I've put in the telephone module, so it's just the Bluetooth connectivity thing. Okay. So I can play Bluetooth. Which one did you use? Car. Just the was it a special um, one or just those Chinese ones you can buy on Amazon? Yeah, I, I bought one off eBay. Uh, eBay, and I had yeah, a, yeah. a guy, a car audio place fit it for me. And it's, to be fair, it's really good. It works, works really well. well. They put the microphone up through the AP there and stuff like that. So a lot better than I could have done myself. So, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, so I've had that done. I've had the lower inch springs. I've put, I had a short shift kit fitted yep. uh, when I was getting a lot of work done. But there was a guy again on one of the forums who manufactures the short shift kits with so you replace the plastic bearing with a metal so it's a lot more sort of rifle sharp yeah um but in reality that's not it's, yeah, it, it's like function first right because function first um simon who's been on a previous owner story sent me the, the link mm. for it and that's the same thing where the short shifter kit i've got the 997 short shifter kit and mm. it replaces the plastic parts with metal metal parts is that a similar uh, thing? Um, no, this was this is a guy who manufactures it. He's uh, I, I was just on one of the forums, just trying to read up about short shift kits and differences and this that, and the other. And this was just a gentleman. He's quite active on the forums, okay. and a lot of people have bought from him. And he does it. Um, he manufactures and sells them himself. He's not a company. Okay. Or How does it feel? I know of. Yeah, it feels good. It took a little bit. <sighs> brutally honest. How much difference? I'm not sure how <laughs> good it is if I'm being brutal. I'm yeah. trying to convince, again, it's one of those things where I've bought it and had it fitted. I'm trying to convince myself maybe that it's better than it is. It's tighter because it's newer. Yeah. 
because that one had 70 odd thousand miles go through it but I don't, yeah, I don't a, know I, that's I'm, a weird I'm thing. torn if I'm, yeah. honest, if I'm honest I'm torn on it to be fair yeah, I, torn, so. I can't even remember what mine's like. I, I, I remember thinking it wasn't that great. And then Steve drove my car and he said, no, it definitely feels different. But like even today I'm thinking like I, I haven't really driven it enough with the short shifter kit. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll reserve my uh, opinion on it until I actually get back to Sydney and drive it again. But I mean, yeah. it has to be slightly tighter than the old ones. You know what I mean? Whatever you get done, yeah. it has to be slightly yeah, yeah, tighter. Because the throw is way too long on the, um, on yeah. the, on the standard. Yeah. Okay, so... 997.1, you're back in it, you're enjoying it. Have you got a – that's it, right? You're not looking at anything else for a while. You're going to keep this one. And I know you were talking about values. You know, you're talking – and we always talk about values like we said before. But you were saying how, you know, if you would have kept your other one. But 997s are not going – they're not going down. You know what I mean? And like yeah. you said, we don't look at it as an asset. We look at it as – it's the experience, as our hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we can keep our money along the way, well, that's even better. That's a bonus. Yeah, um, but exactly. I think even where you've bought the 997 now, it's not it's not going down, that's for sure. It's only going up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't think – I think there's been so many big big hitters to our sort of economy and lifestyle in the last few years, Brexit, yeah. or in the UK, Brexit, coronavirus. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I cannot see price – unless there's some global absolute landslide of a – I can't. I, I don't think they'll go down. And and I, I bought it to enjoy it. And I'm removing the financial side yeah. from my memory because I I think if you have that too constant to, as a constant in your mind, it will ruin your yeah, enjoyment. You can't think about that. And I bought the car to take it out. No, I bought the car to take it out and drive it and enjoy it. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. And that's sort of that. And, and that's the it's the it's the main reason why I'm not letting myself get too bogged down in it because otherwise it just ruins the enjoyment it totally takes away from why we all love the car why we all love the brand and why we all enjoy the brand and the community so yeah and you can't like 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 we've always said you can't get hung up on miles either you should be driving it you should be enjoying it um yeah. all those sort of things what about drives though because you know we're at the end of the podcast we're actually gone a little bit over almost an hour and a half believe it or not so what about favorite drives i mean do you do you have the opportunity i mean in the uk you know you have the opportunity to go to europe to get out on a holiday mm. is there any future plans of, of of taking the car on on some of those famous roads or is it, is there a road in the uk that you really enjoy driving on that you want to share with the listeners if they come to the uk like in your local area yeah um well one one drive i've planned i want to go to the Porsche Museum. Yes. Uh, take, take, that's, that's the one thing I, was, I wanted to do, take the car, go to the Porsche Museum. Uh, and also, I want to, at some, if I can next year, depending on time, money, etc. I want to try and get to the Belgian Grand Prix. Again, that would be another, another drive uh, in the Porsche. Um, but in terms of local roads, I'm not really, yeah, so yeah, uh, at some point, yeah, when I try and get to the Belgian, to the F1, in terms of local drives, I've sort of only recently been trying to get out on early Saturday mornings and try and explore because we've got a, a well, my daughter's two now, so it yep. takes up a quite a lot of the time, of, uh, which is, I uh, love it to bits, but if you want a drive, it's never going to be a <laughs> all day thing. Yep. So near to me, it's a friend of mine told me about, there's a reservoir, which is just through Billericay, which yeah, it's, it's apparently quite on, well known on the forums. Not fully aware. I've never come across it, so I've driven up there um, 
once or twice. And it is a nice drive. A few of the country lanes around there are pretty good. And they're not fast roads. And, and I think that's what I enjoy about it the most as well. They're not roads where you're going to be driving 70 mile an hour all the time. Sometimes yeah. you're going through some of these twisty roads and you're maybe doing 40, 45, but it's just the enjoy. It's just that enjoyment of going through and hearing that it's the noise and, and the feel of the car, because these cars are very analog, you feel everything through it. You, you don't miss anything. Um, being manual as well is knowing being what gear you're in and knowing to change down and you get that noise and you zip around a quick. And, that, and they're the sort of, uh, that's what I've been sort of doing recently. So I think it's called Hanningfield Reservoir, I think it's okay. called. Fantastic. But it's, it, there's a straight, I, I went up there, sorry, let me get my phone out. Yeah, I think there. that's I think that's a good thing about the UK, though, isn't it? It is those back roads, it is those country roads, and I don't know mm. what the speed limit is, but I've been on some of the, you know I've been on the road out to you know uh, with a friend in the UK out to Goodwood from from yeah. here in central London to Goodwood, um, and it's just those roads and the feeling of the nine nine seven. You feel the the weight transfer. You know, you're not always going super fast, but it's just the yeah. it's just the experience which is um which is really good. And you're in the UK as well. You know, those it's so iconic when you're driving through those roads. Yeah. Yeah, I've on I follow quite a lot of the guys that I've seen and listened to on your uh, on the on the podcast, and a lot of those on Instagram. You see some of the roads that they, especially up north, there's some absolutely stunning roads yeah. which I do intend to get to next year in in Wales, and Scotland, stuff. And Wales. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's there, there are a few trips that I do want to do next year. Looking at some looking at some of the pictures, there's a gentleman uh, Peaks Porsche, I think some of his. Yeah, yeah. Some of, the, uh, some of the roads he drives on. Yeah, great photos. Great, photos. So great photos. That <laughs> yeah. spider, his spider always looks fantastic. Yeah, there's great. Yeah, yeah that's uh, absolutely fantastic just, up there. Yeah, it just makes me so jealous. So there, there's definitely some trips <laughs> booked, planned for next year. I've just got to convince the wife to come with me as well. So that way uh, I can stay out for longer. Sounds good. You got the baby seat in the back yet? Yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got a baby seat in the back. Um, I guess, and, and that was another, I, I can't call it a reason to convince someone to buy it. But, oh, no, we can fit the baby in the back. It's fine. It's, it's a family car. <laughs> That's why you need a 911, not a Boxster, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got a back seat. Matthew, we're at the exactly. end. Thank you so much. Is, there, right. anything, is there anything you'd like to um, share with the listeners before we go? Uh, no, no. Just, again, Michael, thank you, uh, Steve, and all the guys who have uh, taken part in the owner stories. It's been brilliant, especially during lockdown and everyone's having a hard time. Um, and it was just that community, that community. I haven't really got many friends who are into Porsche, so it's been really good to hear owners talk about their cars and how much they enjoy it. It's just it's fantastic. And I think like your last uh, owner said, is get out, get get what you can afford and enjoy now. Yeah. And we don't know how long we've got and just enjoy it. And again, thank you. Brilliant. Love the work you and uh, you and Steve do. And on the podcast that's great thanks so much yeah and i know you you know you said to me you've been listening since uh the very first episode as well so yeah. thanks for uh thanks for supporting yeah. and thanks for that that's great um all right matthew thank you so much for um being on owner stories today no thank you michael and apologies for a bit waffly but yeah i was just i just enjoy enjoyed the chat not at all all right, everyone, um, that's it for Porsche Called Owner Stories. Uh, like I said, I'm going to remember the number, number 59, number 59 with Matthew coming in from the UK, coming in from London uh, with his uh, 2005 997.1, 911 Carrera, two, midnight blue, six speed, the only way to go. Um, and he's, uh, he's a multiple Porsche owner. He's owned a few, as you, as you have heard. 
That's about it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.